Philippians 4, from verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that once again he renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know both how to have a little and how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learnt the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by sharing with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you gave gifts for me for my need several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I'm fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Those brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those from Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ will be your spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good evening. My name's Ed. I'm uh, the congregational pastor here at 7pm and uh, I would love an opportunity to get to know you and meet you afterwards. We're at the end of our 10-week series on the book of Philippians. Uh, So why don't we come before God and ask for God's help as we hear him speak to us now. Our Heavenly Father, your word is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. We pray that you would so shine on us now that you would help us to live lives that are worthy of the gospel for your glory and for our good. Amen. It would be great if you do keep Philippians chapter 4 open in front of you. I've been preparing this passage this week and as I've done that I've been thinking about different needs of people that I see in my day-to-day life. So I think of my next-door neighbours, Christian people, who uh, were heading out yesterday for another day's house hunting. I was praying for them, uh, and they came back uh, finding houses selling for $200,000, dollars $500,000 above the reserve price. How will God meet their needs? I think of, uh, I think of a, a friend who I spoke to on the phone this week. He's uh, not a Christian guy, a friend from my surf club, He's out of work. He's looking for a job that will fulfill him. That's his need at the moment. I was here at church the other day and a guy came knocking on the door. His need was that he needed money for medication, for diabetes medication, and he needed money on his Opal card. And uh, 
and I declined to give him that. Uh, I think of a friend who's serving God in, in ministry down at a university in Melbourne and he can't reach his financial fundraising target. That's his need. And I think of a mission partners that I know of who are serving God in the Horn of Africa and uh, the wife has just been diagnosed with cancer. And then I turn to God's word and I read this promise in verse 19 of chapter 4 of Philippians. Read it with me. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Really? Do you believe that promise? Do you believe that God will meet all your needs in Christ? Well, the Apostle Paul says you should. You should believe it because I, Paul, am living proof. And he says these Philippians, they're practicing it. They're an example that this promise is true. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to meditate on that promise. And we're going to think about how God has said that as we give ourselves to him, we will receive from him our every need. As I've been coming to the, uh, the end of Philippians, uh, I've been pondering why does Paul leave his uh, financial update till the end? You know, maybe you brought a friend along to church tonight and saw Ian get up for the financial update. You think, what, not financial week? Uh, but, you know, maybe Paul's like me. Maybe he doesn't like talking about finances, so he leaves it to the end. Well, maybe there's a deeper reason. Maybe it's because what you do with your finances reveals what you're on about, reveals what you're living for. So take friends at work, take the world around us. What do they spend their money on? Clothes, cars, houses, food, holidays. What does it reveal that they live for? Themselves. But the the Bible paints a picture of Christians. We We are called to be people, people of God who invest in in uh, relationships, in mission work, in gospel partnerships, in people who cannot pay us back. And what does it reveal about who we're living for? Well, God willing, it might reveal that we are living lives worthy of the gospel. That's what we're striving for, Church by the Bridge. The Philippian church were praised throughout the Bible as being a community of gospel investors. Gospel partners, wouldn't that be a lovely thing to be famous for, Church by the Bridge? The occasion for Paul writing this letter comes out here at the end of his letter. He he was writing to give thanks because Epaphroditus, a Christian Philippian, had turned up in Rome with a material and financial gift for Paul uh, to meet his needs, to strengthen him to keep doing his ministry. So Paul wanted to write and say thank you. But he also... If you know the Apostle Paul, you know that he likes to take every opportunity to teach. So he also saw this as an opportunity to teach about the Christian virtue of contentment. What is contentment? What is contentment? As we look around, everyone out there is looking for contentment. Uh, We call it satisfaction. We call it fulfillment. We call it happiness, joy. And many of us seem to think that Contentment is circumstantial. So I don't know, I say the word contentment, I wonder what comes to your mind. Maybe 
guy sitting back on a couch with a beer in his hand after a long day doing the job that he loves, content. Or people surrounded by their friends and family feasting on really good food, content. And maybe you're into social media and you look up the hashtag content, you know, what do you expect to see? Someone reclining on a, on a beach in paradise, sort of dozing, content. Well, what does Paul tell us about contentment? Let's look verse 11. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. So Paul could, he could post a picture of himself with some Roman Christians eating some nice food. And he could say, yep, I'm content. Paul could equally post a photo of himself floating on a bit of shipwreck, watching his worldly possessions float away in the open ocean and say, content. He could even post a photo of himself in a cold Roman dungeon, alone and hungry, and say, I'm content. Where do we get that from? That's what everyone's looking for, isn't it? Everyone would love to have contentment that is not based on their circumstances. Well, Let's find out what Paul says about it, where to get it. Verse 12. I've lived, says Paul, I know both how to have a little and I know how to have a lot. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being content. Now, there are different ways of learning things, aren't there? You know, I've often thought when I read this passage that Paul deduced it. He worked it out. He, he cracked the secret. That's one way to learn things, to work it out yourself. There's also the other way, which is uh, to be taught it by experience. And this is the way that Paul describes how he's discovered contentment. He has been taught contentment. He's been taught it. He's learned this way by being well-fed and being hungry. Paul's been taught contentment by being in abundance and by being in need that he's learnt through all these circumstances that, verse 13, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. If you put Paul around a banquet table of friends, he was content. If you put Paul alone in a cold Roman dungeon, he was content. Because there was one thing that no shipwreck, no flogging, no losing possessions, no being put in prison, no being beaten up and left to die, could take away from Paul? What was the one thing you couldn't take from Paul? The Lord Jesus Christ. He always had his Christ. And Christ would always make him strong enough to do all that he needed to do. Paul had found contentment because he'd found Christ. You know, interestingly, if you go looking for contentment, you won't find it. So my friend who's looking for a job that will make him content, I can tell him from what God has taught me that he will not find it. There's only one place to find true contentment, and that is in the God you were made by, the God you were made for, the God you were made to live with. That is where contentment is. That's why uh, the great Christian theologian Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find rest in him. Our hearts are restless till they find rest in him. There's only one place to find 
contentment, and that is in Christ. I was speaking to uh, Mel. Mel is someone who attends our church here. Uh, she goes to church in the morning, and we actually read through this passage together. Mel's been struggling with chronic illness for up to five years now. And, uh, and as I read uh, this verse with Mel, I asked for her reflections, and she said, you know, God has stripped away so many of my needs over these years. Things that I thought I had to have. So Mel can't really work a full-time job at the moment. So when people ask her, what do you do for work? She can't really give an answer. Uh, she, has, she works casually, so she has less money. She, she, she has, therefore, less to spend on herself, less clothes. And interestingly, Mel said this to me. She said, I've never had so little, and yet I've never been so content. Because Mel has realized, through the stripping away of what she thought were her needs, that the one thing she really needs, the one thing she can never lose, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is where she finds her contentment. Yes, it is hard. It is so, so hard for Mel. But she's been taught that, uh, how little she really needs to live. She's been taught that God will supply her every need. But I must say, the thing that gets me most about Paul is that, like Mel and like many Christian testimonies, these circumstances, they come at us. They come and get us. They surprise us. But with Paul... He seems to go looking for these circumstances. Not that he wanted the difficulties or the hardships, but he never let a hardship, the potentiality of a hardship, stop him from serving his Christ. He never let it put him off. There's a reason why Paul made it halfway around the known world of his time. It was because Paul didn't need to be well-fed. He didn't need to be well-rested. He didn't need his comforts. Paul was willing to risk all for his Christ. And I often wonder if that's why you might read newspaper reports or people will say to you, the church is shrinking. The gospel is not advancing in the West. Because perhaps you and I, brothers and sisters, Christians, we're all messed up about what our real needs are. I need a coffee. We all say that, don't we? I need a coffee. Uh, I, myself, I like to have salad with my dinner or I don't feel like I've had a proper meal. I learned that from my mum who's here tonight. Uh, I like to do exercise every day. I need exercise. I need eight hours of sleep. Do I really need all these things? Should I let them stop me serving my Lord Jesus Christ? What was it that Jesus told me I needed to pick up daily if I wanted to follow him? Was it a bed, a banquet table, a couch, good career? It was a cross, wasn't it? A cross. And the Apostle Paul, he modelled that to us. He took up his cross. He was willing to go without for the sake of serving his Christ. Verse fifteen is a, a favourite. Mem- sorry, verse thirteen is a favourite memory verse. For many people, perhaps you've memorized it yourself. Perhaps you've got a poster on your wall. If you Google verse 13, you might find someone standing on the top of a mountain. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Or you might see an Olympic athlete with a gold medal around their neck. I can do all things through him. 
or a CEO who's risen to the top of the corporate ladder. I can do everything through Christ. But if you ask the Apostle Paul, what was the all things that he was on about? What was his life about? We've read his letter. We've read Philippians. What does he say? Philippians 1.21 For me to live is Christ. To live is Christ. The all things that Paul was on about was not Olympic gold. It wasn't corporate success. God has promised to strengthen you to serve him. He's promised to give you everything you need to do his will. He's promised to give you everything to glorify his son. So, brothers and sisters, like Paul, will you not fear circumstances? Will you rise above your circumstances? Isn't that a beautiful thing about Paul? He seems untouchable by circumstance. Our world is thinking circumstance will bring them contentment. Let's show them how to rise above it, finding our contentment in Christ. This will liberate us to serve our God with a deep, deep trust that he will meet our every need. If Paul was the proof that God will supply all our needs, and perhaps a little disconcertingly we've discovered that our needs maybe aren't all that we thought they were. They're perhaps a little more minimalist than that. Let's turn our attention and ask what would it look like for us as a church to practice trusting in this promise of the God who will meet all our needs. Well, here the Philippians provide a fantastic example. And I want to make two observations about their giving and receiving. The first is that the the Philippians gave themselves generously to gospel partnership. Verse 15, take a look. Paul says, Right from the early days, Philippians, you Philippians know that when the gospel came to you and I left your province of Macedonia... You are the only church that shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. You see, the Philippians had received the good news from Paul, the good news about Jesus. And now they wanted to partner with him in sending that news, that news that makes discontent people content in the only one who can satisfy them. The gospel news. They wanted to send that gospel all around the world. And so they partnered with him. They gave to him. They generously shared with him. But Paul qualifies the nature of their partnership twice. I don't know if if you noticed it as we read through. Let's have a look at at his qualifications about their generous giving and partnership. Verse 10, Paul says, I rejoice in your partnership with me, your concern for me. But verse 11, he says, I'm not saying this out of a need. And then verse 15 and 16, he talks about how they've, partnered with him, they were the only church and they sent for his needs again and again. But verse 17 he qualifies, not that I seek the gift. You see, Paul wants to clarify two things about gospel partnerships. Firstly, it's not charity. And secondly, giving is for the good of the giver, not just those receiving the gift. I give a little bit of money to Médecins Sans Frontières. They're a wonderful organisation who uh, do medical aid and and, um, life-saving work all around the world. Uh, But every time I get a letter from Médecins Sans Frontières, they they start with, Dear Mr. Yorston, your support is invaluable. We could not carry out this life-saving work without your generous partnership. 
That's charity. But the gospel's not like that. The gospel will go forward and advance with or without you, brothers and sisters. The gospel partner, Paul, Paul in this case, his needs would be met by his heavenly father. They had the privilege of partnering with him. That was what was on offer, a privilege, not a charity. It was an opportunity to join with them. I remember serving on the first ever uh, kids camp that I led on. And uh, I was at the leaders meeting just before the camp. And uh, I was identified as one of the few leaders on the camp who wasn't able to receive their leader's shirt. Because I hadn't paid my registration fee. My jaw almost hit the ground. You mean you're asking me to pay to come and tell kids I don't know about Jesus, to give up my time to come and do this. And God did a great work on me that day. As I purchased my t-shirt, I learned that gospel work is a privilege. It is a joy to be a part of, and it's for the good of the person who gives. I got to see young kids meet Jesus, find out about the Lord and Savior of all humanity. And that happened as I gave myself to them. When you meet the Lord Jesus, when you know the one who taught us that it's more blessed to give than to receive, then you'll be overflowing with generosity, eager to give back out of all that God has given to you. Not only was their partnership uh, good for them, but it was abundantly generous. They gave again and again, Paul says. Often uh, it's those people who perhaps have little or least, that you find are being most generous. I have friends Mike and Pip. Mike is a great friend of mine. For an extended period of time while we were at Bible college together, he couldn't afford to get a second pair of pants. But whenever he turned up at my house, he'd turn up with a gift, he'd turn up with something for the children, and he was always giving himself and his time. Because Mike and Pip, they knew the God who had given everything to them. They were overflowing with generosity. And elsewhere, Paul speaks in the Bible about the Philippians giving. He says that it was out of their deep poverty that they gave in rich generosity. How can those with so little be so generous? Because they've learned about to trust in the God who will supply their every need. And secondly, about the Philippians giving, is that their giving was pleasing to God. The Philippians gave to the Apostle Paul, but Paul wants to redirect their attention. He wants to show them that, verse 18, what you provided for me was actually a gift to God. Read it with me. What you provided was a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Actually, Paul says in verse 17, this is the most important thing about giving. It's not that I needed the gift, but I wanted to see you giving yourself, giving yourself to God. I delighted to see you, Philippians, deposit in your heavenly bank account. That's why parents go out and buy gifts for their children, wrap the gifts, give the gift to the child, and then they wake up on the morning of the birthday and want the children to come and give the gift to them for the delight of seeing their child give. Our Heavenly Father loves to see us give. But everything we have belongs to Him. Everything comes from him. He delights to see us give back to him. 
So there were the Philippians, giving themselves to gospel partnerships, not out of charity, but out of the privilege of partnering. And they gave themselves generously, and their giving brought delight to God. Which brings us back to the promise. Will you imitate these generous, self-giving gospel partners, Church by the Bridge? Because here is God's promise to you in verse 19. Verse 19, our God, our God will supply all your needs. Not might supply, not could supply, not did supply, but future tense, he will supply all your needs. Yet they're your needs as God defines them, not as you or I might like them to be. And our God, brothers and sisters, will meet our needs, not according to the scope of your need, not according to your, uh, your limits, but according to the riches, his riches in glory. Did you know that God created the heavens and the earth out of the overflow of his love and goodness? Everything you have ever laid your eyes on comes from God. God has all the resources of heaven and earth at his disposal. And all of those riches are his to give. And all of those riches, where are they? What does Paul tell us? All of those riches are in a place. They're in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not through him. He's not a channel to get things. It's in him. He is the place. He is the person where all God's blessings are stored. That's why if you have Jesus, you might have nothing else, but you have every good thing that you can get from God. So, looking back at my friends in need, my next-door neighbours, well, will God meet their need of a house? Or might God teach them that it's okay to stay in the rental market for some time? Uh, the man who came and knocked on the door seeking medication. Will God meet his needs? Well, we spoke for a while. He didn't want to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't want to know about the God who could meet his every need. So I don't know if God met his needs that day. Uh, all he was interested in was getting my money. So I said no. Will God meet the needs of my friend serving in university ministry who can't reach his financial target? Well, maybe God will teach him contentment for a season, contentment with less. Maybe God will show him how he can uh, continue serving with 80%. Or maybe God might inspire one of you or me to give generously to him and for us to enjoy that partnership. But let me finish with gospel partners who I think sum up everything that Paul was talking about. They were the missionaries uh, who I mentioned before, serving God in East Africa, uh, Northeast Africa. Their names are Bishop Grant and Dr. Wendy Lamarckrand. They're from Canada and they have gone to the Horn of Africa. Uh, Grant is the bishop of that area. Uh, it's Somalia, Ethiopia, Ichumea and Djibouti. They've moved from Canada to Gambala, one of the poorest places in one of the poorest countries in the world. 
Why would they seek out such difficult circumstances? Because they wanted to partner in the gospel work in northeast Africa. I got to meet these guys when they came to Moore College and I was a student. And Dr. Wendy was one of the most contented people I've ever laid eyes on in my life. And so I went up to her after her presentation. I asked her, how do you keep smiling with all the hardships and difficulties that you've been through? She said this. One of the lessons we've learned in the mission... In, oh, sorry. She said this. I've, I have joy, she said. And joy is no stranger to difficulty or hardships because these trials perfect joy in us. I was really saddened to see in the recent newsletter that they sent out that Dr. Wendy's been diagnosed with cancer. They've had to return from the mission field to Canada. And this is what she wrote. She said, One of the lessons we've learned in mission is that every difficulty can be an invitation to know him more deeply, to know the overcoming love of Jesus. She concludes her letter, It may be that God will save us from the fiery furnace of cancer, but right now he is with us in the flames. You know, in our culture, we tend to substitute pleasure for joy, and suffering can destroy pleasure. But joy flows from love, and suffering cannot destroy love. If it is my time, it is my time. If it is not my time, Jesus will heal me. You can hear the contentment in Christ, can't you? You can hear the contentment that rises above any and every circumstance. You can see gospel partners who have been trained through all circumstances to find their joy and delight in Christ, who have been trained to trust in the God who promises to provide their every need. So, brothers and sisters, will you imitate the gospel partners, Paul, the Philippians, the Lamarquans, will you trust in this great promise that our God will supply your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus? And will you strive with me, brothers and sisters, to give ourselves to God and receive all our needs? Let's pray that we would be those people. Our good Heavenly Father, we thank you so, so much that you have promised to meet our every need. We thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ is the great need of every man, woman, child. And we have Jesus Christ. And so we can rise above all circumstances and be content in any and every situation. Lord God, help us to give ourselves in gospel partnership as Paul and the Philippians did, that we might realize the privilege and that we might experience the provision of the God who meets our every need. Amen.